there's been so many girls that I've known. Oh yeah, here comes a little girl, I see her walking down the street. Oh yeah, she's all by herself, I try to knock her off her feet. Oh yeah, cause you'll never break, never break, never break, never break, never break, never break this heart of stone. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where, yep, you got it, we're going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show, yeah, okay, um, anyways, <laughs> with me as always, ever, ever, yeah, with titles from Amish romance novels, right, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain that later. Yeah. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And also, we have Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. How we doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Good. My name is Wade Bowen, and yeah, if you're joining us for the first time, you've not heard that 50 other times, but yeah, we're talking about an episode called Heart of Stone. Yes, Heart of Stone. It is the 14th episode of Season 3. It originally aired February 6th, 1995. The IMDb description is as follows. After chasing a fugitive into a cave, Kira gets stuck and is slowly encapsulated by a growing crystal stone while Odo tries to figure out how to free her. Um, There is also a B plot. Or maybe it's the A plot. I can't really tell. I think these are both. It's the better plot. <laughs> it's the better plot, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, the B plot, nevertheless, is about uh, Nog wanting to be Captain Sisko's apprentice and get into Starfleet. Well, what did we think about this episode, gentlemen? Thoughts right off the bat. Um, well, the first thing I when I saw that it was called Heart of Stone, I guess I should explain that rambling intro it didn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's a subgenre of romance novels um, that are Amish romance novels. And apparently, and they're all about spinsters who find some dashing uh, person to fall in love with and get married and then have sex with. And it's always a spinster. They always, at least in one of them that somebody I knew read, the phrase that gets repeated over and over again is that she had a heart of stone. And finally, somebody melts that heart of stone or something. But also, every one of like, these... Like a, like a sexy Amish firefighter melted yeah, her heart? Yeah, yeah. He's always, I don't know, like, ooh, the new magistrate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, his beard. Mm. <laughs> the new witchfinder general is right. sexy and <laughs> right. <so> single. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'd go to his barn raising. I, I do have to say, though, like while while we're on the subject, I used to from several years I lived close to an Amish community, and we used to go there and get like you know food because it was they they have they're good farmers, mm-hmm. and um, you do see like boys out in the field with like six packs, and they're like they are ripped. Oh yeah, the Amish boys. Yeah, they they got the the pecs and the six pack. They don't have the teeth though, so like, you, <laughs> like, yeah, like then they, there's, well, a, there's a trade off. Then they go off to Ronspringa and do all the crystal meth in the county. Yeah, and then they really don't have any. Teeth. They, they really, yeah. I don't think that does much damage to their teeth. It's, it, their teeth is pretty fucked up from the start. Mm, okay. Well, Amish culture aside, what did you guys think of this actual Star Trek oh. episode? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, but also the in every one of them, the climax of every one of those novels. Apparently, is a tragic buggy accident. Uh. But in this one, in this one, it's a it's a runabout accident, I guess, and rock formations. But uh. I think by you telling us about this, you're telling us what you thought of this episode <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> that cold open where Odo is a moody girlfriend is like, yeah, <laughs> from- yeah. I want to get, I want to unpack a lot of that stuff, like about the, how they do conflict. But well, let's get like, what's your general whole feeling of the whole episode? I actually like this episode. <laughs> I'm yeah, that I guy. Like this episode. I, I like this episode a lot. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a big advocate for this episode. I liked three quarters of this episode. I generally liked the idea of the a plot. Like I think it was poorly. Can written. we just call it the Odo plot? The Odo plot. I think I liked the idea of the Odo plot. Some good the entire, stuff in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's not bad. It's just sort of poorly executed. Well, and like I don't know. 
Well, I I think I it's poorly, I think it's poorly written specifically. I'm not saying the actors are bad. I'm saying like I think it's poorly written. I don't know. And then I, I got like I can I, I can defend that. But then I like I love love the Nog story. The Nog story is and in fact I think it's one of the great yeah yeah that's one of the great arcs of this whole series. I think yeah and well, and yeah I, and that how that works like the idea that they they made that change and the, and where they go with it over time is is one of the things that makes me love Deep Space Nine as much as I do. Yeah. So, and that all kind of starts here, so. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think that th- here's what happens. They take a character, and this is like the magic of long-form narrative storytelling, really. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why Star Trek should have no excuse for mishandling their characters. Because if you could take Nog and all of a sudden in one episode make him have the most interesting character trajectory <laughs> of the whole series, mm-hmm. then you should be able to do that for the ship's doctor and for <laughs> yep. the ship science officer. <laughs> and you, Okay, you're doing... but. He, all of a sudden, in one episode, Nog is infinitely more interesting than Dax or Bashir. Yes. Or really, O'Brien. <laughs> O'Brien likes the kayaking, though, man. You can't, yeah, you can't yeah. discount the... Sure, and that's a callback. <laughs> Isn't that a callback from a Next Generation? It is. Okay. It is. Here, yeah. that, but that's yeah. my... throwing his shoulder out and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is where, I mean, we get Nog actually being set on a course that's going to be interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. And we don't get that for Bashir ever. And we get that with Dax maybe a little bit later. I don't want to get into that too much. See, I, and we yeah. really never get into it with O'Brien. He just plays darts later on with Bashir. That's his most I, interesting. I don't think I agree with that, but I spoilers. O'Brien's awesome. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I like. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would excuse O'Brien from that, but I do think you're right. With Bashir and Dax, that the idea that they can, and I think it it goes towards a limit of the producers because they think that their set piece characters are sort of like they're like the prime artifacts that you can't touch them. But Nog is a who gives a fuck character. He disappeared for like a whole season, and we didn't even notice it even on this podcast. <laughs> so like like uh, so it's a who gives a fuck character, so that they treat him less gingerly. So better things happen with him. Oh uh, yeah. So because they don't, they don't, they're not so fucking nervous. We've talked of like a thousand times about the episode where they almost made Kira a drug addict and had been a drug addict for the whole course of the show. They almost made uh, O'Brien a Cardassian the whole show. They almost almost made Kira one. Yeah. Yeah, they almost made interesting decisions, but they can't. You can't move the furniture too much. And and I think that that's. That's what's holding them back, and the stuff like Nog is what's making them great. So, yeah, no, no, I love the Nog stuff. And as for as much as I, I, I thought it was like a tale of two scripts because I thought it was so well paced, just from a script writing. I mean, the acting was great, and I think that Avery Brooks really brought out something out of Aaron Eisenberg that was that was unique and special. But it was also just written in a way where you what starts off as like a goofy lark, like a Ferengi scheme sort of becomes like a weird mystery, but then like blooms into this sort of not just a character revelation, but not just a character defining thing for Nog, but for his father. Right. And like how he viewed his father. Mm -hmm. Okay. And real quick, how many people have have, uh, signed up for Starfleet over the hundreds of years just to not be like their father? I mean, it's probably, <laughs> Starfleet is I mean, probably littered with men and yes. women who who are joining just not to be turned out like their parents. Yeah, the, or, the ones that don't are doing it because their dad was in Starfleet and they want to be just like their right. dad. Exactly. Yeah, you either want to be just like my father was, or I'll show him. And I think that scans with military. That's probably how. The, I mean, outside of like the, I just I needed citizenship or money, which is how most of the military operates today. Like, I think that's probably pretty common with a lot of people who go into the military profession or, you know, any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot of military dudes have shitty dads. Yeah. Um, no, wait. <laughs> I mean, and some of them are fine. I Shit, now I'm, I mean, and I'm sorry, our veterans shitty. are our, get... na- our national treasure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, let's, just, let's just yeah. say that the rules of acquisition supports the troops. Supports the troops. And that Wade <laughs> yeah. is very, very uh, involved in veterans' causes. So let's not, <laughs> don't worry about any of that. Anyway, continue, James. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that was and, – and I do, like, just to defend – we'll get it when we unpack the A-plot. But I do think that the A-plot was pretty – 
particular, like, there was long sections that were just, the dialogue was just describing what was going on. And then I felt like maybe they got to a fever pitch in the story where they need to be emotional too early. Yeah. So then, like, it stayed in that, um, like, that emotional space. What your problem with with those scenes, it's being hampered by the fact that it's Star Trek. They have to go through all, they have to run the technological gambit of like what could fix Kira's problem, you know. And right, try the pattern enhancers. Oh, I'm sorry, the yes. pattern enhancer is not working in a polarized ionization field. That and like, I, it, launch a probe and it'll be. It cannot let my foot, I cannot barely feel my foot. It is squeezing my foot so hard. It's a lot of stuff like that. Well, the foot stuff didn't bother me. <laughs> I'm, it bothered me. I mean, like, like I mean, I'm just saying that there's a lot of like conversations about the fact of like what's going on. Yeah, that's. And then immediately they get into the I'm going to die. We need to like, and it stays there for like a really long time. And yeah, part of it, I'm I, part of it is the script, and then part of it is like I don't know, like if they're it's but they go back to this like directing style manual from like 1940s television. Yeah, I mean, like the you're tele, right. the, the camera stayed at six feet. The, or five and a half feet the entire time. Well, they had like, they, they blew their whole wad on on effects in like two yeah. se- two seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the whole CGI season, crystal growth shots cost a lot of money back in 1995. Well, and the Odo becoming that huge canopy to save. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we had the Odo flesh shield that I think you talked about. They should do that for their ships where they go yes, into the Gamma yes. Quadrant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm tracking with what you're saying. There was a little bit of it that was supposed to be a slog, but I also thought that maybe what you're not liking is the fact is like what I often complain about <laughs> with Star Trek. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah I, I know what you're saying. You've got the you've got the needless techno babble, but whenever you you see them, they have to do some of that character stuff for the payoff at the end. Yeah, no, I know that. It just it wasn't varied. It was like, oh, no, I'm gonna die, and then it was immediately pitched to that. And I felt like you stayed there for like ten minutes, and you obviously it culminates with the the mm-hmm. I I can't leave because I love you, and then I love you too, Odo. That whole interchange, and then how that changes in Odo like that, like from a, like a story conception standpoint, that's good storytelling. That's great. But like, I just felt like there was something about it. It felt maudlin. It felt like a a little bit, but yeah, but I was fine, especially when I was, maybe it's because I was going into it, looking at this as a cheesy romance novel. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it (laughs) it starts off, like I would say that cold open is just like, they're coming from prophets landing. And then Odo's being like moody. And she's like, where, just what's your he's being a moody girlfriend and yeah and she's like just spit it out what's your problem like, you didn't you didn't go you didn't ask me if you wanted we go to dinner when that guy asked us you just said you just spoke for me she's like you don't eat the problem is you never asked what i wanted oh no you don't eat yeah but you, you could have asked me would you have wanted to go no but i wanted to ask and yeah yeah this is this is the thing like after uh, we've watched, we did a whole, I don't know when this airs, but whether this will air with our Lost podcast or not. But a big issue I had in Lost was forced conflict in writing where people are just bickering because they want the emotional stakes of bickering or conflict. Yeah. But they don't have, they can't come out with a fucking reason <laughs> while they're fighting. Right. Like, and I, this was that, like, and I hate that. Like, that could be something that irritated Odo, but to have this goofy relationship fight, I think, just lacks understanding of how long-term relationships, how arguments happen. But not only that, I just think it was like, it was just forced conflict to get them bickering right. at each but, other. Well, they're not in a lo- they're not in a long-term relationship. They're not dating. I, well, James. but they wanted to... I was to, watching but, with my girlfriend's like, they're a couple, right? It's like... Yeah, no, not but yet. That's, that's what they were wanting. They were... Yeah, and yeah. there's a way to do that feeling without it being so forced that was what i like i think they had a good idea and they didn't know how to write it for this story and then i think that good actors did something with it and it is a good idea of a story and i'll praise it on like how it introduces the dominion and all that kind of stuff or not how reintroduces them i liked all that it's just this is something this is like this is the kind of writing i hate yeah it was tv (laughs) it was it is pretty tv and genre writing is some of my favorite writing but it's like Mm -hmm. well we have the romance novel and then we also have a detective novel in the odo plot but do you say that you like would you like do you like the genre as a story point or as the actual writing like the cliches and tropes of the writing there there were some cliches that were head fake because you're supposed to get like a bottle of 
episode yeah. where they're stuck in the elevator. True feelings come out whenever you get those claustrophobic, dire situations. Yeah. And it's it, so that's why it was like if, if she could if it was really Kira and she got freed and they have this awkwardness between them, that would make a predictable. Like, right. You could I could see how in, in 1995, how you could think that's where this was going. Right. Like, so I yeah. think it served the head fake. Well, yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. You've, you've brought up before, you know, like how you like like in the search part two, the they can get all this dominion stuff out of the way and then reset it when it's all oh no 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 yeah no no i think and the then also with the, the abandoned episodes the same kind of thing like yeah. we get to know about what uh, yeah. the jim and are about without having to have they're still dealing with the dominion very well yeah and i think that it's plotted very i i have no like the story the plot is yeah, great yeah. it's a great story it was just an execution issue and from this time it's not me bitching about kira's acting I do want to bitch about the purple stone designer, though. That was like <laughs> hard. That was hard to look at for the whole episode, too. Especially at the end with her little hands sticking out <laughs> right. of it. I, I appreciate it. Oh, they made it to where she could squeeze her little hands in there. And, <laughs> and you know, it's like, obviously, just the back half of it is just open because it would... Mm-hmm. Spoilers mm-hmm. when you've watched the episode. Hey, it turns out... Also, also, none of visitors claustrophobic. Oh, really? Yeah, they, oh, okay. they had well, to have it backed out for her. Maybe we'll save the end reveal just where we, we, we'll we talk about other stuff and then get... Okay. Well, I mean... But let's not take a whole lot of time on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they Kira lands in the cave. They chase the Maquis. She gets stuck in a rock. The rock gobbles her up. They do some techno babble to try to get her out of there. Right. And in the meanwhile, they profess some feelings for each other. That's Right, that's, which starts off... We think this is going to be a Maquis episode, too. Mm. Yeah. They're following a Peregrine-class carrier ship that usually ends up being Maquis. They follow it to a moon with a weird ionization issue that they can't teleport shit. And so they go into caves and, yeah, she gets stuck in a crevice. Turns out to be a rock. All that stuff that you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I do feel like that maybe Starfleet, like, you never hear about the things that Starfleet ain't working on. Starfleet needs to work on this atmospheric condition sensors. (laughs) Right. I know that they keep using, like, I know that they're a plot device to isolate. Like, they use... Right. Well, just just spread out the bandwidth, it should work. Oh, it still doesn't work. Yeah, like, every time, like, the Starfleet runs up up to brick walls a lot on their technology and they need to really work on that. Yeah, you know what those walls are built out of? They're built out of plot. Yeah, the plot conveniences. <laughs> right. But it, talking about head fakes and stuff and also just the fact that it starts off you think it's a Dominion story is another, oh, we usually don't get our Dominion and Maquis episode, you know, mm-hmm. things. It's usually one or the other. Like, oh, psych, turns out. Not a Maquis, it's a Dominion. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know, would some people even be annoyed that they spend all that emotional work <sighs> with Kira emoting to him and then it fake oh it was all bullshit. Oh, I'm like, sure that it I'm sure that it jerk if you were a hard shipper. Yeah. <laughs> when this episode aired, I'm sure you felt like I, I'm sure you felt cock teased that you're getting right. Yeah, cuz it turns out it's a Dominion changeling the whole time that he's talking to and and it's like um What's her name again? The female changeling. Yeah. But the actor has like an awesome name. Salome Jens. Salome Jens sounds like a Star Wars character, honestly. Oh, yeah, yes. totally. <laughs> yes, it does. And she she agreed to not have her name on the episode. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, so that people wouldn't be, mm-hmm. have it ruined for him? Yeah, like a not Kevin. Even at the like end? a Kevin. It came out at the end, but it was like a Kevin Spacey and Seven thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, co- that's cool. Yeah, yeah. She's a player. See, they're trying. No. Oh, no, they, yeah, yeah. They, now, this is a good episode. Yeah. I feel like maybe I came off too negative because I'm a little under you guys. Sure, but sure. No, like, this... you know, some of the writing I didn't, you know, like the, oh, we have to sing a song and then, uh, oh, we have to be back by tomorrow because O'Brien's counting on it because we're going kayaking and she's like, yes. whoa, you're going kayaking. And it's the kind of thing Kira would be surprised at, but also the female changeling is surprised at because basically this whole thing is an interrogation. Yeah. Which I guess is the Dominion's MO. Since the Jim Hadar, they've tricked you into thinking you're talking to one person and you're actually talking to somebody else who's trying to milk you for information. Yeah. Ever since that first Vorta episode. Yeah, no, I liked that part of it. Yeah, I definitely liked that part of it. Ancient uh, sea chanties like Louie Louie. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, no, that and also like is, o, are, is O'Brien like everyone's best friend? Is that like his job now? Apparently. Like he's uh, like he's Odo's best friend. He's like, he, he spends a lot of his time. He's the only guy with actual family obligations, <laughs> but he seems to have the most free time. Right. Yeah. 
He's a non, I mean, he's an officer, but he's a non-enlisted officer, so he's got the most work to do. He's also got a wife. I guess he doesn't have a wife and kid right now. Oh, right, yeah. So that's his, okay, that, that, there we go. That works. All right. Well, at least that checks out. Yeah, that actually makes a little sense, I guess, now that you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess if my wife and kid were, like, gone for a lot, I would always be, all of a sudden I'd be crawled up all my coworkers' ass to want to go do all my favorite things. Yes. <laughs> Try to fight the loneliness. Yeah. Yes. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you don't like all the pacing issues that you have is because they forced so much Odo backstory into this. They did. May, yeah, that he's, they did, he's but I actually like the, the, the oh, where his name came from. I thought it was yeah. a great little, like, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get the feeling that was probably written in a book somewhere and they just hadn't got it. Like, Iris Stephen Baird probably wrote that a year ago or come up with that concept a year ago or so. And then just hasn't, it hadn't made it into a script yet is what I'm, I mean, he wrote this episode, so he was the shitty yeah, writer was, on this episode. It was him like, and Robert Hewitt-Wolf, right? Yeah. So, uh, like, I get the feeling that that was, like, in a file somewhere. But that that was good. That, like, the, the whole idea, even how that was, you know, that every time I heard the name, I thought of nothing. And yeah. and then him saying that, like, even. Then I met you. Fuck your, you fuck you're gonna make me praise and then, I mean, the then i met you and then that was a little uncomfortable and then he backs it up yeah. oh and o'brien <laughs> you know, all the so. others and even quark yeah so he backs it he and you walk you to the tall. edge but, mm-hmm. yeah it was a joke yeah. so you learn his last name does he actually consider his name etal does that consider that his family name yeah i don't know he said just just got sh- eventually just got shortened sure. to eventually just yeah yeah but, but like, like it, oh it's two names like bajoran when he signs a paper for a car loan or like when he has to verify for his sprint account like <laughs> well there. i think i think that if that was the case then because the bajorans have their first name last it's reversed mm-hmm. like be- yeah. you know she's major kira Norris, but mm-hmm. people who are familiar with her call her Norris, yeah then his last name would be odo uh, and then the the other part would be Etal. Yeah, Etal would actually be his. Right. What so the familiar so, people would so call him. If there were to be a, ever an episode where they they cut in and Odo's like laying in bed with a woman, she would call him Etal or Etal. <laughs> Etal. Yeah. Well, I think probably since it's a Cardassian word, yeah. especially on Bajori, let's just shorten it so that I'm not a Cardassian nothing. That's true. But yeah, no, no, and I liked I liked the name yeah. stuff. That was that I'm was a nice. My commission, like you can't do that. I'm not going to abandon you. I can't. And then he falls down. Don't you understand? I can't. Why? Because, because I'm in love with you. And then he collapses. It was, it's all very dramatic. Yes. And, uh, and the big reveal is, is that she says, I love you back. And then Odo, like. He files that immediately, away. Immediately, like, he goes back to, like, he goes back to, like, uh, regular yeah, Odo. detective Odo. Like, and he was like, oh, this is, yeah, yeah. this is bullshit. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, 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 this is bullshit. And he's very right. quick to, like, sort of. I like that. Like, that's, that's classical. Yeah. And then, he, and like, then they have, I like, was, the... I was gotten to this emotionally vulnerable state, but you, you fucked up. So now I got to be, like, real Odo. Right, like, and, and then they have like the never... Agatha Christie or Inspector Poirot and ending like where mm. Columbo, where it's like, well, I knew <laughs> that if you were standing over there, you could not have fired those shots, like you say. So you're lying about that. You lied about two things, <laughs> Columbo. And you're lying mm. about those shots because you cannot shoot that. And I know Karen and race, and she does not love me. And, yeah. <laughs> like, and you lied when you said you loved me. I do love you. I wish you did. But you don't. I thought the shot, the shots thing was a little clumsy. He could have just said she doesn't love me. But like, I, I like that you had a backup. You had a second. No, you had was a, great. You yeah. had a second I mean, source. I got that. But like, it was still a little like. Eh. Yeah. Like, like, and then she's like, well, wait, maybe I just want to say what you wanted to hear. And he's like, nope, because I know Kira well enough. She would never. She she has too much regard to lie to me. I do like that they teased also that the changeling in her like sort of reveal scene talking to him. She says that no changeling has ever harmed another. And he was like, that might have to change or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that was a uh, well, foreshadowing, but it was also like, uh, right. I don't know. It was a, a weighted threat in, right. in a show that doesn't always know how to do weighted threats. Well, because he was like, you're going to sh- you're going to tell me where Kira is because the changeling would be like, oh, you're not going to hurt me. Fuck off. She's going to die mm-hmm. or whatever. And then she's like, oh, she's 200 meters that way. And then. He goes over and she's like in a stasis pod that I don't know if it looked familiar to you at all, I'm, but it looked like what the Mormon guy back in way back in season one in the Vortex episode. So oh, that, it's the same set. So. <laughs> yeah, it's the same set. And he it's a changeling. They're talking about changeling stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's like a stasis pod that his daughter was in. Yes. That just happened to be there. And it's the same thing that Kira's in. 
I don't know if you could make the case or not because they're just reusing shit anyways. But yeah. if you're trying to build a continuity headcanon, you could say, oh, that thing that he kept his daughter in was probably a leftover Dominion <laughs> cha- artifact of some sort. Yeah. But, probably. But on the other hand, he probably just said, we need a box. That's the last yeah, time we've no, used a that's, box. <laughs> that's purely headcanon. <laughs> like, yeah. Jim Hadar is being tossed. Yeah. So he has to relay. I mean, he eventually frees her. They go back and he ends with like him relaying the you know, they had this other confrontation with the founders and that he figured it all out. And Kira's like, how did you know? And he's like, uh, it's not important. Just a, <laughs> like, just, just, a, a, just, a, just a slip of the tongue. She said something you would never say. And that that was yeah, so, I mean. Just a slip of the tongue. Nothing important. Yeah. It's what he says. Yeah. So, I mean, all told, I think, it, I mean, since you're, we're going hard on this relationship or this sort of love triangle with an open end right. where someone new always fits into the other side. You know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a worthy installment of that but it uses it to heighten the Dominion threat or to remind you as a viewer that, hey, we're not dealing with them yet, but there's this giant threat on the horizon. Like, I like all, like, there's nothing on, like, a breakdown level I don't like about this episode, but just that. Yeah, and it hints at bigger secrets that spoilers maybe, or that whether or not those secrets are, he's like, what were you doing when a Maquis craft? And she's like, Odo, don't. <laughs> don't expect me to give you all the answers right now mm-hmm. leaving something open like there's some weird collusion or something there's some there's some something between the dominion and the maquis going on a mystery that we have yet to solve yeah but I, yeah. yeah so no it's it's i mean it's it's yeah but that nog plot <laughs> can we talk about the better storyline now yeah oh yeah please can we <laughs> i think we kind of did i mean yeah yeah we kind of basically nog asked Cisco to like be his apprentice and they finds out he needs to join starfleet to be in to be in like go starfleet right. academy because yeah. he's been He's been bar mitzvahed. Okay, yeah. Can we talk he, about that for a second? Like the Ferengi like, <laughs> attainment attainment ceremony and section five, paragraph one ten says you have to get a, a apprenticeship and give them a the Ferengis give them enough money to to bribe themselves into an apprenticeship. <sighs> like they're like at this point, oh, and I mean obviously, oh, you're oh, I didn't even think about the. Uh, yeah, kind of Shylock. Yeah, the Shylock element <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. At this point, like, and I know that probably I don't know. It's I receive a bear. Like, I'm not like not ju- like clearly there's some medic writers. Like, I'm not trying to like, mm-hmm. uh, but I. It's weird. They need to back away from like the Ferengi Jewish stereotype thing, and that the giving giving Naga bar mitzvah <laughs> was probably not the best. You know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I thought it was delightful. And then it's like, whoa, wait a yeah. minute, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I see where people are. Yeah. Those people that I say, just chill out, man. It's not. a th- yeah. OK, I see where you're making your calls from. Yeah. But yeah. come on, there's there's no there's nobody. Nobody's Robert Spencer didn't have a there's problem. No bright Brett Bart writers in the writer's room. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yes. I'm. Yeah. I'm. This is I Stephen Bear is, is, is I assume Jewish. And so I assume is sensitive to these issues. I just in my mind, I know that like you're, it was a little weird. Yeah. But the whole the thing about this is I felt like every scene of this was kind of perfect. And it's like how you want to see it go down from yeah, yeah i mean it was told in like sort of five scenes but like you get the you get more racist cisco which is always fun oh right where he's where like, yeah did he steal anything the first scene he goes in and asks for an apprenticeship mm-hmm. second scene or and then jake comes in after his dad is being berated by quark for yeah. not fixing something because it's in his contract it's in rom's contract that everything is always his fault yeah it's <laughs> okay uh, yeah it says so in your contract. It's your fault. Yeah. I, I think there's some folks in the Trump administration that have that same clause. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's in so. Sean Spicer's contract as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. And and obviously Jake treats it as like even Jake assumes that it's a... Yeah, it's that, was a, a it's, that was a funny joke that you played on my dad. And yeah, not, yeah not, he's like, what? Yeah, so that even the person that knows him the best thinks he's a, that it's a, that it's a scam or a scheme. Right. So it's 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 all very close. I mean, and it sets up the, the, the mystery of that whole plot is like, Jake's like, well, why did you never said so? Why do you want to join Starfleet? And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. It's personal. It's like, just tell me. And he's like, no. And then that gets in the last scene. You have a whole emotional yeah come on now tell me why is it so damned important that you get into starfleet why are you doing this 
because I don't want to end up like my father. But Cisco gives him a job right. to do, uh, which is to inventory some shit that they've already inventoried. Yeah, yeah. So Dax, Dax gets to boss him around and says he's got a reasonable amount of time to do it in. He does it in an un- he sets a goal of doing it in an unreasonable amount of time, and achieves it. Oh yeah. And well, and then that that Dax Cisco scene where he's explaining to her that, and she's like Nog, mm-hmm. Nog, and uh, whatever. I only really want to mention that because we have Ensign Vilix Pran. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> who is budding? It, it's real frustrating. I know why, because it's they're cheap. Mm-hmm. That all these amazing, cool, awesome sounding aliens are all off screen. The ones that seem really cool, you never see because we can't afford that. Because he's budding. He's like a plant person or something. <laughs> Uh, also in that scene, you have like like somebody's getting him some gift, and I'm getting him. Th- I'm getting him this. Right, so Brian's getting him this, and I'm getting him that. And Cisco's like, "Put my name on." That. <laughs> I was like, "You're that asshole, Cisco." <laughs> well, when you're the boss, nobody gives you any blowback about that kind of behavior. Yeah, 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 yeah Put right. my name on your gift. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, you wanted him get a new job, but they don't have any money. So what's the point of fucking gifts? Well, just... I don't know. There we go again. <laughs> well, we... Yeah. yeah. Just. Uh, just to give these guys everything they need all the time and nobody gives gifts. Uh, yeah, we but. donated some blankets to the Bajoran orphans in your name. <laughs> Happy birthday or whatever. Right. Yes. But the, uh, here's here's something that's interesting to me that and this is like when I think Star Trek is at its most interesting. And I mentioned it before whenever we had the Ferengi episode on the Klingon world. Where you get to see these two cultures interact, and the you know, and what makes them different from each other, and you know, so I, I kind of, I think that's when Star Trek is like firing in all cylinders as an idea. But mm-hmm. this episode, the central problem for Nog was he didn't have what it takes to make it culturally within his own species. Yeah. So he needed to look outside of that, and to me, like that's like that was so profoundly moving because and not because he wants to be like us because ostensibly when he says he wants to be federation he wants to be human because that's they're basically human values yeah and i know there's some technical bullshit to the contrary but really mm-hmm. it's humans making the tv show it's human values <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it seems to be like what what story is there for a human to feel so misplaced within humanity like what aspects of humanity would you have to like fail at to like be willing to go join a different alien race. That could be is, a, right. That, that could be a that, well, could, I, that could be a great story about a human that wanted to become a, like who wanted to join a Klingon well like or a also, warbird or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's that or even Brian Fuller even brought that up when he was still working on the new Star Trek as like he was really interested in doing the story about uh about spock's mom oh yeah yeah yes, hopefully, yes. Yes. hopefully they'll still do that because they've cast her that's what i'm talking about what about your own humanity doesn't click that you work better with a different species altogether yeah is interesting yeah but just yeah the, the, I, I guess you would say i mean you want to make like a minority parallel or something like that but probably what's closest is like an expat like that they're literally expatriates you know yeah, like their, their values, their core values, like doesn't like something inside them causes them to reject the core values of their own society, or just that the, they don't, or not reject, just know that you don't have a place there. Well, I mean, you that's know, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like a forced rejection. It's not mm-hmm. like his heart might still belong with the Ferengi people, but he just can't make it there. He still wants know? women chewing his food, so it's not like he, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, like he's just got other skill sets. But no, I think that you can definitely in your mind right now, you can know of a you could think of a type of person that would want a type of human that would want to join Klingons. Klingons are the best fighter. They're badass. I'm good at fighting. I'm not smart. I'm not, you know, I'm not like I don't want to be on some boring ass beige ship for the rest of my life. Or what if you were what if you were asexual? And you lived in a highly sexualized, you know, society like human America mm-hmm. in 2017, right? And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden there's this planet of androgynous people who value, you know, who reproduce some other different way, sex, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, By this budding, is... like Villex Pran. Right, right. But that's my point is that, like, you could just, like, these, like, my own being human here is way too hard because if something inside is fundamentally different, that it doesn't match my society's values. Right, right. That it's yeah. easier to be on a different planet. I, that journey for Nog is 
extremely interesting to me. And that's when Star Trek is at its best. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he even says, I mean, he's like, my well, father. Well, conversely, we have the same thing going on with Odo. Right. But yeah, we have even the 18th rule of acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. A Ferengi without profit is not a Ferengi. Yeah. So like, like, yeah, I'm not fitting in with my society. I, but does know, that, is that again, the show shitting on Ferengis for the sake of making humans look better? Like, like the human hegemony on the show. You're right. Yeah. But like that saying that because they have a rule that if you can't succeed this way, you are just not uh, a person. You're not worthy of your genes, basically. Where, you know, I'm sure that they would say, no, in Starfleet, we're accepting of all sorts. But they're not really. They're not accepting of Ferengis. Now, someone's got like a like a hankering for like trading and gambling and all of that stuff. They're not going to have a home. That's why you have to get a letter from a command a level person. Mm-hmm. If you're not part of the Federation to get accepted, you have to get a letter from a command level officer to be even take the admissions exam for Starfleet. That also, by the way, seems like a really low bar to me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it seems like if you're going to start letting people into your military offices, maybe just more than like, <laughs> I don't know. You can see that getting manipulated a lot, especially as we've seen how easily well, Star Trek commanders are, are, are manipulated by earworms mouth worms borg borg yeah Yeah. like it seems like maybe you want to maybe three letters from three letter commanders right it's well it's not it's not that easy to get in the star oh i know you gotta you gotta taste that wesley test and everything (laughs) right right (laughs) yeah yeah it's hard but i I do like the trajectory. Yeah. I like the, that. My father didn't have the lobes and neither do I. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've got my father's hands and my uncle's tenacity. Yeah. My father could have been a star. He could have been an engineer on a starship. But no, he decided to be a good Ferengi and do what his father wanted, basically. Yeah. And then. Yeah, that was. A, and that was, by the way, I just want to give credit to that. That was Robert Hewitt Wolf's idea. He was talking about how he was looking at the three kids that that the show had, Wesley, Jake, and Nog, and he just said, what if, what if Nog, you know, just looking at it and trying to sort of view things from different angles, it's like, what if Nog had the best aptitude to be in Starfleet? And then that sort of, he went, that's where he went with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. And God, they pay the storyline off. This storyline pays dividends over the course of the show. Yeah. Yeah. We should should get into it too much. No, no, no. I don't want to. But like, I just want to like this. This isn't like an interesting thing that they dropped. Can I can I mention one thing that I would change? Like if not to bring back an old segment. Fan fan favorite segment. What would we do? Right. Um, This is the one thing because I found the Nog stuff's character work so satisfying that it was like enough for me that when they tacked on Rom's Rom's moment at the end where he has like a parallel yeah, yeah. realization uh, to me you could have done away with that entirely and uh, the next episode mm-hmm. you could have had like a full on episode where you deal with uh, Rom coming to that conclusion maybe I see I, I actually just admired the efficiency of it I mean Rom's on screen for like 15 seconds and has an entire story arc I understand there, there's something about the getting it in though yeah. like it's like a second or it's like a second orgasm right like you can only happen like in the heat of that moment well like, and it's uh, like, it's also good because Nog has just had this breakdown with Cisco and it's like about how ashamed he is of his father. It's not mm-hmm. a mistake. It was just a personal taste. No, no, no. I get it. I would yeah. like to have seen it like stretched yeah. out. I, yeah. I would love to see because I mean I love. It could have been a B plot because Rom has a pretty good arc too, and they spent. But this is a kind of the beginning of it, his arc too, in a way where he's like because mm-hmm. Quark is the older brother that is the you know patriarch of the, and so he's like you can't do it, and then uh, Rom is like. Oh, no, it's he's my son, and, and, and I have the rights. You know? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, if that could have come to a boil over, like dramatically, over the course I, of like forty-four uh, minutes, it could have been really satisfying. That's, that's true, and 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 I, I think as as well and as satisfied as I am of how they do Nog over the course of the show, I think we can say that Rom they still like they never really fully drain like tap the potential of rom as a character on the show right and they give him like a they give him like a they, i don't know i might disagree with you on that. they play him well, as like he's a, disappeared he's disappeared for like two whole seasons yeah yeah but, and they and when but when they but when they come back to him they give him like a sexy ass girlfriend and like so they play him hey at man, this sort of like i was saying I'll, I'll save that yeah for once we get there but he does I mean, he learns. He does. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Let's just say, yeah, you're right. What happens at the end of this episode where he finally stands up to Quark? This is kind of, you know, there's a whole arc there where he's yeah. like, yeah, that pays off in the bar also. association episode. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. Big you're one. right. I mean, they're 
there is. I just, yeah, I, I feel like. He, and and he, he's a, hey, the Dominion War is coming up and he's got a role to play there yeah. too. But that's, I, I will say. I do think, I think you've convinced, like, cause I, like, cause I was just an off how efficient it was, but you're right. It, you know, why? Yeah. You got, you got a big television show. Yeah. Why have a character development in 15 seconds when you can, when I'm sure in two episodes from now, we're going to be like rolling our eyes off fucking like out of ideas they are for an episode. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Like that's a great, cause I like that arc. Yeah. Let's milk that one instead of some dumb. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody falls in love. or Everybody gets confused and doesn't talk it out and then fights with each other about it. Right. Or another Freaky Friday episode or something. Yeah. No, this this was good stuff. This was... uh, I like the episode more now having talked it through than I did watching it. The biggest problem with me and what I would change is that I would if it was a like if I was like a writer and a director, I would have tried to have worked on the pacing and the direction of the Kira stuck in a rock scene. Yeah, the nuts and bolts aspect yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even just all the way down to like how do you move a camera? How do you, you know, like how do you make this <laughs> yeah. visually different than what you saw a minute ago or anything? Just Who directed everything. this one? Just one of their Some, regular guys. Yeah, Alexander Singer. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's old. Sure. He's a uh, he he's he worked for the original series. I was about to say, did he, he did some Gunsmoke episodes or some Bonanza? <laughs> uh, he did. Uh, he directed Relics. I remember that from Next Generation. Oh. No, he's a he's yeah. Nah, fuck it. He's old timey. Yeah, yeah. Who, he directed sure, it like sure. an old timey director, and it's old time. He's an old timey director. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. We want to get in the rating. Yeah. Let's let's rate this bitch. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, do you guys have want to guess? I'm gonna go. See that last one. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna go seven point seven. Yeah. Um, it's Kira Odo. It's no. I. I'll. I, I like how you try to handicap it. <laughs> I don't know. I would if, bump it up. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I'm gonna go all the way to eight. I'll go to seven point nine. Okay, here's the thing, guys. This is a rare instance where we like this episode more oh, than the fan don't? community. Oh, okay. 608 votes, which is still pretty high. 7.2. Okay. Which mm. I completely... I was... I'm surprised by. I actually... I would give this a 7.9. I, I'm right there with Wade. I don't know. I, no, I'm not... Yeah, I, I don't know if I would... I didn't enjoy watching the Odo stuff. The Odo and Kira stuff. Like, it wasn't a joy to watch. I did more than I thought I would. I remembered it, and I was like, at the beginning, like, oh, she's a gem- she's a, she's a changeling. I remember mm-hmm. this, but... Yeah. Well, Plankton Rules gave it an 8 out of 10 stars. Even Plankton so. Rules knocked it down? 8 out of 10. That's high. <laughs> well, it's an 8. That's an oh, 8. Oh, I know, but he's a he's always the... Or she. Yeah. Or androgynous. They. 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 Yeah, they. <laughs> However they choose to identify themselves. Yes, to right. self-identify. Plankton. Right. Plankton, yes. Always a uh, throws off the curve on these ratings. Yeah. You know what I'd like? I'd like to have every Plankton Rules review like mm-hmm. printed out into like a little book. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have, like the Plankton Rules episode guide. Plankton Rules rules. <laughs> The, yes, <laughs> because Plankton Rules has done a, a, one of these. At this this week's is like three paragraphs long. So it's like really what's his what's his culminating sentences? His or hers? Her uh, sentences. There, there. Sorry, yeah, there. Sentences. Yes. Uh, eventually, Odo admits to her that he's in love with her, but there is a huge twist. But I'll say no more. <laughs> this is a very interesting episode, and I am both glad both plots were introduced, worth seeing. So yeah. Right. Plankton is very careful not to spoil the you know the plot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good on him yeah. or her. Or her or them. <laughs> them. <laughs> I'm glad someone else. Uh, yeah. Right. Gender gender presumed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. All right. Uh, we want to. I mean, I think I I could defend it by saying that probably somebody who's going to write online reviews of Deep Space Nine episodes glowingly. Yeah. And name themselves after a character from SpongeBob. <laughs> probably is a man but i don't want to i don't want to you know typify or guess so yeah yeah (laughs) all right all right so let's move on to insert name of segment oh yeah we have to uh, we have to stop this we have to stop this business no i won't leave you why because because I'm in love with you. All right. Oh, hello. Hello there. Uh, 
what episode did we is this voicemail going with wait a minute <laughs> what did we just release so. today oh heart of stone oh, oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah you've just oh, listened to our amish romance novel episode and that is not what we will be talking about here the return of the founders you're in our richard picardo memorial do we have another name <laughs> richard richard picardo is dead yeah, i don't think he ever <laughs> truly lived that was the tragedy of the whole situation with richard picardo <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we've got some voicemails here. I should change my Twitter. I'm going to change my Twitter. No. To Richard Picard. <laughs> I was going to change Richard Picard. So, yeah, uh, we can just jump straight into voicemails here. If We've got a couple more responses to past tense. Oh, man. Okay. We really pissed some people off with that, too. <laughs> well, 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 we will see, won't we? <laughs> All right. First up, we got Tim from Northern California, the Bay Area. Ooh. Hey, Cun Weasels. This is Tim from uh, Northern California, the Bay Area. I uh, love the cast. You guys do an awesome job, even though you're wrong about past tense. Just listen to the second episode, recap. Great episode. I enjoyed every bit of it. You know, little things here and there, but it's, it's not a big deal. It's a great episode. I don't appreciate your guys' attitude towards techno babble overall. I think it's the super glue that holds the universe of Star Trek together. And it, it's great. I love it. Tachyon is all that crap. <laughs> I got a disagree with you on Lost, though. I got to change gears. That, that show is crap. Uh, season 1 through 5 is admirable, but the seeming pile of shit they left in my mouth in Season 6 just retroactively crapped all over the first five. So, awesome job, you guys. Keep it up. Can't wait to hear the next one. Uh, I believe the next episode you're going to be really happy about, so can't wait. Have a good day. Later. All right, cunt weasels. Uh, yeah. All right, that was Tim, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Tim, uh, I appreciate the fact that you you called up and telling us what you think. Uh, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Oh, he's right. I mean, let me go on record, but right. <laughs> you guys, right? Wait, wait, but wait a minute. In my memory, and I know that we. In my memory, six is great. Six has pale moonlight. Six has. Uh, no, he's talking about from... Lost there. Yeah, I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck. We're talking about your favorite season. In a loss. Oh fuck! Oh god! I thought he was talking <laughs> about like, this no, show. No, no, everybody like, agrees. Season six of Deep Space Nine is great. Yeah, he's talking about Lost, <laughs> okay. and he's talking about past tense. I got it. We I... did a couple episodes about Lost. You guys, I remember talking some of those. And listeners, if you want to go back. If you're new, you can check it out. Or if your friends hate Star Trek, tell them to listen to our Lost episodes. Not They're not Lost. They're about Lost. But hey, not everybody's into Star Trek. Spread the word about this podcast with Ferengi title. So, okay. Okay. Because I was going to take real exception to what he was saying. But I, I'm sorry. No, you're right. That was yeah. a shitty season. I'm the only... I mean, I said nicely. I like parts of season six. All right. I like the eyelid shit. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote dumb comics about it. Yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're much more of a fan of the island. Than yeah, I but eh, this is not what... All right, we don't need to get into that. Go listen to those Lost episodes. But he did like past tense. Just saying, guys, it's just not that bad. Yeah, it's, and, it's oh, pretty he, bad. He's a big fan of techno babble, and it is the glue that holds the show together. I gotta, I gotta say that maybe I, techno babble is like cilantro to people. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are just genetically. It just sounds like you know, soup, right? I think. Well, I do appreciate it. I appreciate it more than I enjoy it <laughs> because they do actually try to talk their way. Like there are things like tachyons are a real well, listen, thing. They're not a lot of. Here's the thing: I have no problem with techno babble when it's being. So sold properly i think my problem is is that sometimes it's bogged down by the shitty acting on deep space nine that's my problem I agree, I agree. okay I agree. that's that's yeah, what yeah, it is no. like like we said in the episode jordy laforge could sell the shit out of some some techno babble yeah and they stuck it in the mouth of yeah someone you wouldn't trust to do that kind of techno babble largely which is o'brien's pretty good with it yeah no no but i'm specifically like dax mm. i mean i think that she's she, not she gets suited. better with it but or they rely on her for it. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, Jordy LaForge, Data, yeah. Leonard Nimoy, these guys really sold that shit, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. In a way that, and Scotty in his own way. Yeah. Well, she, I'm giving it all her. she's got, Captain. <laughs> yeah, he, he talked at it from like a mechanics point of view, and that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, right. yeah, he's not wrong, but you're right that a lot of times it's it's also a way to write yourself out of a bad idea sure. of a story, and they do that. They well, do that a usually. Lot. They, I mean, giving them credit, they usually use it to set up a story, not to write themselves out of it, which is 
commendable, I think. Usually the techno babble sets up the situation and is not like wait a, a they minute. don't use it as a deus ex machina as much wait as they could. Wait a minute, wait a, no, 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 no. I object I'm sure if you had a bar graph of when techno babble shows up episode by episode, you'd have a giant spike in the third act on a lot of these. Maybe. Right. But no, I I don't know. The better episode. Let's put a pin in that and try to pay attention to when techno battle. Yeah, right. yeah, that's yeah. a good point. And we're going to see actually less of it as time goes on because. Because it's about the characters. Like they use it. Oh, well, this is an inverted neutrino, blah, blah, blah. This is something these aliens use, which that's investigation. And not- okay, so there's so there was the Chris Sarandon episode, the luck episode mm-hmm. that was used since the third act of Max. Well, yeah, that was Max, you know, and the, the, yeah, no, that's what I mean. This particularly like just episodes that shouldn't have been made. What was the one from like the first season where O'Brien found a AI, oh, the puppy, puppy well, in the? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that had like 15 minutes of just like straight. Like, I mean, uncut, I'd have to go back to it, but uncut, I, I think like, I think we could go on. Right you were saying that was not the best episode. That had uncut Colombian techno <laughs> for like 15 minutes. I mean, I, yeah, like I, was... I'd have to go listen to the podcast. Yeah, I don't have to watch the show again. I can just listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You want to move on to the next? Because we got a couple of responses to past tense here. Oh, most of. Okay. We're still in the past tense. Oh, yeah. That was the gamer gate of our podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right, here we go. This is uh, Adam Drive Time again. Hey there, fellas. This is Adam P. Newton, also known as at Drive Time on the Twitter box machine. <clears throat> and I want to tell y'all that I really enjoyed the past two episodes about past tense. I went in, after listening to both episodes and watching both episodes a couple times, I did like the first time I listened to your opinions. I've said this for the past few days, and I've kind of come around to... You were thinking, um, I thought the episode is too reliant upon Cisco as a great man, like following the great man theory of politics and the great man theory of how these shows used to be structured. Um, and a paper's over a bit too much. Um, uh, yeah. And that's the end of that. It cut out in the middle of this. Damn right. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, I, I was the one making the case most certainly. So I wholeheartedly agree there, but well, I'm glad that people are like <laughs> coming around to our point of view on past sense. Yeah. It seems like that's like a, we have a tough road to hoe yeah. with like hearts and minds on that. <laughs> yeah. Because people really like, people really I, like past sense. I, I, wanted to s- I think this might be our most polarizing topic of like the history of our show. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> with our audience. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a fan. I mean, we've liked the fan favorites up till now. Uh, we were a half critical of the wire. We were a little critical of the wire, yeah. but um, yeah. we were pretty hard on this one. And I, I gotta say, I've been like, I want it to like it. I mean, I want, I don't, I'm not, I don't like contrarians for contrarianism's sake. Uh, yeah, so. and I, I'm not like that. I don't feel like I'm that way, mm, yeah. you know, normally. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I didn't feel bad. I, I was kind of surprised at myself, <laughs> at my distaste for this one. I won't apologize yeah. for my distaste for the mirror universe, but this one I could kind of see, like, I appreciate the spirit of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think I took exception with their execution obviously yeah what else you got for us wade all right uh we have greg from north carolina so yeah we're we're off of past tense we're into life support all right Ooh, yeah, this yeah. Is from yeah we've got okay. a few is this bashir is where we bashir controversial <laughs> I, hey this is greg from north carolina again i just finished listening to the life support episode and I just want to defend Bashir's acting without putting down Avery Brooks. Yeah, that's right. I think Bashir works here. I think that Alexander City is doing a good job with it. But I think it's because he's going for something different than what you get with Avery Brooks. He's going for sort of a quiet intensity and anger. I think that comes through. And I think that scene with Kai Wynn where he says, I won't forget this either, is a good example of that. He obviously has a lot of emotion, but he's tamping it down to be professional. He doesn't want to blow up on Kai Wynn and give her some good reason to complain or have somebody else come be like, what are you yelling about? He knows that he can't paint anything on her. He's just stating it because he wants to say something to her face about her behavior and how unjustified it is. So I think it works. Um, I do think that Bashir was the weakest in, the, in season one. He's only gradually been getting better. So, But I don't think that he's really having issues by season three. I think that by season three, he's gotten a better grip on the character. He's getting better writing, and he's not being written as the callow youth anymore, which helps a lot. You know, he's got a little bit more experience in seasoning. And I think that's going to come up near the end of this season um, with the quickening. But I'm not going to talk about that because you haven't gotten there yet. I don't want to spoil it. Anyway, still enjoy the show. Thank you very much. That's right. 
I'm telling y'all, he's not that bad. Yep. Yeah. This guy just, I feel vindicated. He's right. <laughs> You're right, Greg. I'm going to, well, I'm sorry. Now, James and Hugh, come at me, bro. <laughs> uh, well, no, I think. No, I mean. It must okay. be nice then go, not yeah. to feel so alone in the world. And we appreciate you calling in to make, just to make Wade feel better. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> now, Wade. We were worried about Wade's emotions. Yeah, I was, uh, it, no. was, <laughs> it doesn't float your boat. It's not the thing. It that, doesn't currently float my boat. But one of the things that I'm trying to cultivate in this podcast is that I have a memory of the show and that I'm revisiting a memory. And I will concede at this point that in my memory before watching it again, I didn't hate Bashir. Like, I liked him quite a bit as a character on the show, like, in my memory. But, like, now I, you know, huh, I see some, I see a lot of flaws. I do remember liking where it ended up. I know you don't, Hugh. Yes. But I do like where it ended up. And there is, a, like, a favorite episode of mine from season six that's Worf-centric, and I, I love the episode. Like, I've watched that a lot, and Bashir is pretty great in that. So I think I think I will change my mind. But I'm still in the state where he's... I, I don't know. I, I, I always see, like, I always try to, like, these shows could be punchier and i think that that's the problem with it it's it's just that I, I, yeah. he's fine but i i want is that a problem with the show or with the era it reach it's probably both but i don't want to make i mean i don't i didn't start a podcast but deep space night to hold it to a low bar right so you know like so i want to say that i think the show has and it does it, it, this show goes to great places and yeah there's inside of me intention to get there already but no of course this was an old television show and so these guys were doing old television acting most of the time but no. yeah well and, and, <laughs> I, and i think I, old yeah. television acting i think star trek acting is almost a little bit different even i mean the actors talk about it all the time oh it's shakespearean and everything <laughs> and i don't necessarily buy that but i do buy that the actors buy that so they come in and they're doing slightly more stage type acting than you get in a regular drama of the era because you know law and order was on now right yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like jerry orbach was a stage actor but yeah yeah you know yeah. he's not doing stage acting he's doing the best i mean yeah that's great detective well, and there was i mean there was higher in television there was nypd blue at this time period there was right. I mean, showing butts i know that i mean i know milt wrote for it showing butts and displaying david milt writing yeah. i mean it, i didn't like watch a... it i just like oh this is the butt show okay yeah <laughs> it's david milch it's david milch and stephen botchko yeah botchko so, i mean it's, writer of cop rock yeah cop rock and hill street blues and that washington fish cartoon show oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes steve watch was great uh, <laughs> that, that cartoon show sucked but as a kid watching a show about cartoon fish about in dc i was excited for it and then it's cop like, rock was it let me down cop rock cop was rock. dude th go back and watch cop rock that shit's fun <laughs> right. that shit is fun yeah. 90s uh, is fun it's weird it's yeah, are, this, we, are, this, we, yeah, are we are we yeah voicemails are we was that the end of the road talking here. yeah i guess but i'm saying that there's a higher standard and i try to hold it to the higher standard i think you're right i think i'll come around to bashir all right i don't think i i like i i feel the opposite <laughs> yeah. i feel like yeah. it's not gonna get better and they do some bullshit stuff with this character later on and we'll unpack that when we get to it <laughs> what if what if i told you hugh that alexander sadiq was on the alan partridge <laughs> 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 the next alan partridge movie you get one turn on the alan partridge show he's yeah. the villain and he's great uh okay <laughs> We've, Do you want to give the phone number and the email one more time and then I'll sign us out? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Thanks again for your voicemails. Uh, we're getting more of them and we want to make use of all of them because y'all, our listeners are great and we love you. I mean, not in a weird way. I love, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we love you in an appropriate yeah, amount. I, I love you. In an uh, socially acceptable yeah, way. But not in a weird way. And yeah, we're going to make use of all these great voicemails however we can. And you will probably hear from us very soon about that. And to do so, you can leave us a voicemail at 917-408-3898. Send us an email. Find the email uh, at roosevelt.com acquisition at gmail.com find us on twitter uh but you know you hear this call to action shit at the end of every podcast you listen to so just do what you want to do just thank thank god we don't have a patreon yeah yeah no. we're not asking for your money <laughs> yet uh, yes yet <laughs> uh, all right hit us on tumblr tumblr yeah. twitter fucker fucker cocker 
<laughs> but yes. Uh, but yeah. All right. You know the drill. All right. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. Three to beam out. Bloop. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again, 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.